Um, we're in a, a story um, that that uh, is told during Christmas, but it's not the Christmas story. It's not the story about Jesus. It's a story about a guy that is one of my favorite characters in the Bible, and um, he. I think he's uh, misunderstood a lot because he's given this title uh, in the story, and we tend to think of that title as, 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 as we attach a lot of things to that title. But hopefully when I'm done with the story, you'll have an understanding that this guy and his wife are just like you and I, and, and they respond in the same way that you and I would respond uh, by getting a, a touch from God. And so our, our mini-series, it's just a two-week series, it's a, a series on hope, and, and, and um, I hope that this will uh, resonate with you as, as it has for me this week. Um, but in Luke chapter 1, starting in verse 5, it says this. And what we're going to do is we're just going to kind of take this little sections at a time, and I'll, I'll explain to you what they're going through. In the time of Herod, king of Judea, there was a priest named Zechariah who belonged to the priestly division of Abijah. His wife, Elizabeth, was also a descendant of Aaron. So let me just explain to you this couple. First of all, when we hear the term priest, you know, depending on what your background is, depending on what you kind of think of the Bible, we, we, we tend to elevate this guy to kind of a, uh, you know, real uh, a spiritual status. Um, maybe he's got some extra r- robes that we don't have, or he's got some outlook or whatever. But, but to understand, there were 24 groups of these priests at this time, okay? There were about 18,000 of them. It was just, he came from the priestly line of Aaron. He wasn't the high priest. He wasn't, he, and what would happen is these groups divided into 24 would go to the temple for a week at a time, twice a year. And so, and there would be hundreds of them that would go. So they'd go up to the, to the temple and they'd perform all these different duties that you'd have to perform at the temple. A lot of it was just but- butchering, really, if you kind of get down to it, of all these animals that are slaughtered. And so they would go up and they'd have these things. Now, he comes from a line of this that started with Aaron way back in the Old Testament. So his, his, he, he started there. And then if you read in there, Elizabeth as well. Um, His wife, Elizabeth, was also a descendant of Aaron. So this family has been involved in this priestly line for generation after generation after generation. It would be as though I were to say, my great, 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 great grandfather was a pastor, and then his son was a pastor, and his son was a pastor, until we get to my dad, he's a pastor, and then I'm a pastor. It'd be kind of like that. Although in my family, it would be like my great-great-great-grandfather was an alcoholic. His son was an alcoholic. I mean, it's the same type of thing. But you, we all have it in our, in our lives, right? I mean, this kind of line, this lineage, this kind of, kind of thing. And so, uh, so this is where they're at. So he's had it, and Elizabeth has had it. And her name's Elizabeth, which was the name of Aaron's wife. Okay? So they're, they're in it. Okay, they, they, they are, they're, they've been doing this for a long time. It's a big part of their heritage. Now, you'd think after all that time, it would get kind of stale and get kind of like, ah, my, I'm just a priest because my dad was, right? But listen, listen to what it says. Both of them were upright in the sight of God, observing all the Lord's commandments and regulations blamelessly. Now, for us to understand this, when we look at the Old Testament, most of us, at least I do, I'm like, 
I'm glad it's not like that anymore, right? Because you read all these laws, all these regulations. I don't really want to stone anybody, quite frankly. I mean, there's just a whole bunch of stuff in there where you're just like, man, there's a lot of stuff. They were doing it blamelessly. They were working it out. It was the law, Leviticus. You can read it all. You can read the Pentateuch, the first five books. about. They were doing it. And it says they were upright in the sight of God, observing all the Lord's commandments and regulations blamelessly. Now, let me, let me ask you a question. If I told you I knew a couple, and they were just super spiritual. I mean, they, they were like, they, they did everything. I mean, when you, when you became a Christian, or maybe you're trying to figure it out, or maybe you're kind of like dipping your foot in the water, trying to figure out what God is all about, and all this kind of stuff. There, there's something that happens in us where we think, well, if I, if I walk blamelessly before God, and I, I come to a complete stop at all stop signs. I let people in. I, you know, I, I'm just a, I feed forest animals. Like I'm like a great guy. My wife's a great girl. We have a great marriage. My life's going to go great, right? Like I'm not going to have any problems, right? Now, we all go, well, of course not, you're going to have problems. But there's something in the back of all of our minds that when something goes wrong or something isn't working out, we start thinking to ourselves, huh, I probably shouldn't have said that to that coworker. Or we attach it to our righteousness. They were righteous. They were following God's plan blamelessly. And then when you get to verse 7, it says, But, now, if you look at the Old Testament, when it would describe somebody, oftentimes it would say, oh, they were righteous in the sight of the Lord. But then they did evil in the sight of God, and then then you're like, oh, that explains why they were wiped out. Or, but then their sons, you know, like, there's always this thing. So when we read something like this, we go, man, they walk in blamelessly, they're upright, they're doing all this kind of stuff, but, oh, here here it comes. You know, here's the thing that they did wrong. But they had no children. Now, I can't explain to you, we don't have enough time to explain to you, because we can't even understand how big a deal this was during that time. It's a big deal now, okay? If you want a child and can't have a child, it is a big, big deal. Back then, it was a huge deal because society believed that if you didn't have kids, God was judging you. See, because they, the, they knew all the scriptures. They knew that God opens the womb, God closes the womb, right? Well, if your womb ain't open, then God didn't open it, so there you go. They understood, hey, you're blessed if your quiver's full. If you don't have anything in your quiver, you must, if you're not blessed, you must be what, cursed. And, and so what would happen in society is society, all these religious people, like who read the Bible, would start going, you know, they walk uprightly and they follow all of God's laws in front of us, but I'll bet there's something going on behind the scenes that we don't know about. Why would God not give them kids? I know, I, I'm just saying the same thing. It, the same thing that happens in churches today was happening back then. People start talking. People start trying to figure out your spiritual life for you. The church is brilliant at it. They mask it in all sorts of spiritual stuff and quote verses. And, 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 and so she's... She's, they have no kids. Now, they're doing everything right. They're walking right. They're doing right. They're following. When it was hard, they were doing it right. Okay? When it was the law, they were doing it right. 
but they have no kids. And it's a big deal. And it's a big deal to the, to the society. It's because Elizabeth was barren, and they were both well along in years. See, they were starting to get to the point where there's just no hope, right? I don't know where you all are, but we all have these areas in our lives. The healing of someone close to us, a relationship, uh, maybe a financial situation where you've been praying and praying and praying and praying and praying, and it just seems like there's just no hope anymore. I mean, for these guys, and you look back and you go, what? What did I do wrong? And you have people around you going, hey, have you tried this? Have you tried this? Have you tried this? I mean, I'll bet Elizabeth, poor Elizabeth, I'll bet there were people from the community going all the time, well, you know what? You, you know, the, what we did was we, you know, and they got all this uh, kind of advice for their personal lives and, well, maybe you're not giving enough or maybe you didn't do this or maybe there's this and maybe there's that. And God's going, Don't, there's a, it has nothing to do with that. And yet you sit kind of with no hope going, then what, God, what is it? What is going on? I'm doing everything. And you might be there. You might be like, look, there's no sin in my life. I'm do- I give. I-, I help little children. I was at Toys for Tots for picking 12 hours yesterday. I- still, there's a- and-, and it might be a relationship, a marriage. You might be praying for your husband to come to Christ, your wife to come to Christ, for, for-, for your kids to come back home. For- I mean, you just- and you're praying and praying and praying and praying and praying and praying and you don't hear anything. Nothing. And, and you're starting to lose time. This is where they're at. They're no different than you or I. He just happens to have a priest attached to his name. Now, let me show you what happens. Once, when Zechariah's division was on duty, okay, remember, he goes up for a week and he works in the temple, serving as priest before God. Now, listen, he was chosen by lot, according to the custom of the priesthood, to go into the temple of the Lord and burn incense. And when the time uh, and when the time for the burning of the incense came, all the assembled worshipers were praying outside. Let me, let me explain what's going on. Okay? There's all these priests, about 18,000 of them. There's 24 groups of them. Okay? To go burn incense was a high, 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 high honor. If you did it once, you were taken off the list. You, couldn't, you had to leave room for everybody else. Because most of the priests will never do this in their lifetime. And so they draw lots. And you go up, remember, there's several hundred. You go up twice a year to do your, to do your uh, priestly duty, and they draw lots. And when you get picked, when you're the one to get picked, here's what happens. You, okay, so the temple is this big area, and, and there's the biggest area is called the Court of Gentiles, okay? And that's out in the front, and anybody can go through there. That's where Jesus went in and turned over the, the tables and went all Rambo on everybody. There, that, that's, the, that's that part. And then this part is um, uh, the Court of Women, okay? Now, don't get on me. It just, this is the way it was, okay? So there they were on the out, outer side. And then you got the Israelites could be there, the men. And, um, and, and, and then there was the temple. And, and you weren't just allowed to just go waltzing into the temple. It was a holy, holy place. So when you got picked as the priest to go do the incense, and what you'd do is you'd take, you'd go to the altar and you'd get some hot coals, not in your hand, in a bowl. And you'd go and you'd walk into the temple. I mean, can you imagine this guy, normal guy like you or I, just trying to get through life, trying to have a family and do all that. 
walking into the temple. And, and in that room was another room with this veil called the Holy of Holies. And they all believed that's where God was. And the Holy of Holies behind that veil. And so you don't mess up the incense thing. You don't want to upset God. And so they'd wait and wait for this guy to do the incense thing and be like, oh, man, you know, I, I hope he makes it out. I hope he doesn't blast. And you go in there like, you know, if he's sleeping, I ain't waking him up, right? And you go in and you, you put the coals down and then you put the incense on it and smoke begins to billow out. And smoke begins to rise. And the people outside praying, it represents their prayers going up to God. And so they worship and they pray. Now, listen, Zechariah will never be able to do this again in his life. When he does this altar of incense, he's the closest to God he's ever been or ever will be, ever. Can you imagine walking into that room, how you'd just be like, you'd have the instructions like written on your hand, like coals first on thing. You know, you just don't mess up. Don't do anything, okay? Here you are as close, closer to God than you've ever been in your life. And watch, watch what happens. Then an angel of the Lord appeared to him, standing right next to the altar of incense, and it freaked Zechariah out, right? Zechariah saw him, and he was struck. Have you ever had this happen? where no one was supposed to be there and you're working, maybe you're in the garage and you think everybody's gone and then your wife opens the door to do laundry or whatever and you're like, huh? You know, you're like startled and then it says he's gripped with fear. Like you're startled and then you're paralyzed and it's not his wife, it's an angel. And remember we talked about this last week, the angels don't come in like this, right? They don't sit on your shoulder. It's the angel, big angel and he's standing right there. And Zechariah, in a moment that he's the, he'll never get this chance again, it's his first chance, he's, and he's probably thinking, it was coal and then incense. I did incense and coal. Ah, you know, what does he know? And so then the angel gives standard issue angel speak. Every angel gets a manual, and the first thing says, when you meet a human, say these words, because every time you see an angel, this is exactly what happens. Gabe, there's no book, okay? I'm not, don't write me a letter. I know there's no book. But if there were, Gabriel would open it up and he'd say, do not be afraid. <laughs> and I mean, think about it. Zechariah's like, don't be afraid. I'm in the temple. I get one shot at the incense thing. God's right over there, right? And then you show up. You're gonna mess up the whole thing. How do you not be afraid? Now, then the angel says some of the sweetest Words you can ever hear from somebody sent by God to you. What comes next is so beautiful. He says, Zachariah, your prayer has been heard. Now, don't you wish sometimes you could just get that from God? Like, oh, okay, I... You know, you know, when you get those issues in your life that you've been praying and praying and praying and praying and praying, wouldn't it be nice for God just to send the angel, you go through the do not be afraid thing and all that, and just to hear, hey, the prayers you get, we, got, we, we know about it. He calls them by name. And this is the word God has for all of this this morning. God has heard your prayer. Whether it's for a spouse, 
whether it's for a child, whether it's for financial freedom, whether it's to move, whether it's to have a son or daughter come back home, whatever it is, God has heard it. Here's what I want us to do. Because he called, I love the fact that he calls Zachariah by name. Zachariah, you, right there, with the bowl and the incense, you who are shaking like a leaf, you, God has heard your prayer. What I want us to do is this. So we're going to say this together, but we're going to insert our own name. So I'm going to say, John, I want to make sure I get it right. Okay. Your prayer has been heard. Okay. John, your prayer has been heard. And you're going to say your name and then your prayer has been heard. Now, listen, I want us to connect with this. This isn't just a, a fun little exercise that pastors do to make you uncomfortable. Although I, I hope you're uncomfortable because I had to sit there and do the same thing when pastors did this to me. So uh, this is great fun for me. Uh, but, but, so I'm going to say, John, your prayer has been heard. And you're going to say your name and your prayer has been heard. Ready? Here we go. One, two, three. John, your prayer has been heard. Now, now own that. We're going to do it one more time. Okay? Here we go. John, your prayer has been heard. It, this, is God, this is so key for us to understand. Whatever that thing is that you're going for, th- this is where hope begins. And understanding that we have a heavenly father in heaven that hears our prayer. Now, the next, the next thing that comes into our mind, because we're all human, is, okay, then why isn't he doing anything about it, right? I mean, I mean okay, thanks for hearing me, but the prayer was for something. See, here's what we learn about ourselves. Once we come to terms with the fact and we can rest assuredly in the fact that God hears our prayers, now we have to try to figure out what do we believe about God? See, if I believe that God is just like, you know, event, you know I just go up and I, I press, you know, D7, and it's like, and then the starburst drop in the thing, and I'm like, yay! And, and I'm like, I, I press D7 a hundred times, you know, you're starting to shake the thing and kick it. Like, if that's your view of God, you're going to be disappointed your entire life. See, see what happens between prayer and answered prayer, or, or let's just say a, a visible move of God, that's your relationship, that's my relationship with God. Answered prayer isn't, and the prayer isn't. I can pray all day. It's, it's during this, from the time of the prayer to the time that we see God move, that's, that's where we flesh out and kind of live out our faith. Why they call it faith. That's where hope resides. And so when we pray and we go, God, you know, for, for, for Zachariah and Elizabeth, it's all about having kids. And you're like, God, I know I, we've been doing it right, and we still don't have kids. Tell us what to do and we'll do it. I'm sure they prayed a hundred times. And the angel comes and says, Zachariah, God, God hears you. Your prayer has been heard. This happened to Daniel back in Daniel chapter nine. Same type of thing. He's praying for this vision and interpretation of vision. And this angel, I'm not going to tell you his name because that's coming up and that'd be cheating. Spoiler alert. Uh, This angel comes up to Daniel uh, several hundred years prior and says, ah, Daniel, yeah, he's almost out of breath. You guys got to read your Bibles. It's awesome. He comes and he's like, ah, oh, from the time you set your heart to understand the vision and prayed, your prayer was answered. But I've been fighting this prince of Persia over there. And then Michael finally had to come help me. And now I'm here. Like, ah, oh, whew, man, we made it. Now I can tell you the vision. 
See, there's something that happens from the time of the prayer to the time of the answering or what we would call answering of the prayer. And so he says, your prayer has been answered. Your wife, Elizabeth, again, making it very personal because Zachariah was a common name. Maybe the angel just guessed his name, right? No, Zachariah, your wife's Elizabeth. We got it. will bear you a son and you are to give him the name John because John is the most spiritual of all names. Uh, it's nuanced in the Greek. You'll, if, you've, if you've been to school, uh, you'll understand those things. Okay, so... Um, so, so listen, so, so, so all of a sudden he's announcing, you're going to give birth to John the Baptist. Now, he doesn't know it's John the Baptist, right? But if I were to ask us, what, what do you know about John the Baptist? Okay, now I know there's some Bible scholars in here, and you, 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 this is why I don't ask it out loud, because you'd spoil it for me. But the way I think of John the Baptist is he kind of looks like a serial killer. Uh, he's got a camel stuff and then he eats locusts and honey and then he lives out in the desert and he's super in your face. Like, you know, you brood of vipers who told you the coming wrath. Like he's like, oh, like, like you wouldn't, like, I wouldn't hang out with John the Baptist. He wouldn't be my friend. Really. I'd just be like, wow, John the Baptist. Yeah, go ahead. Whatever dude. Don't just don't call me a brood of vipers. Like, like that's, and then we know that he got his head chopped off by the, t- at the time he was 30 because Herod, not the Herod we just read about, but Herod's son liked a little dancer in front of him and says, oh, he's drunk. And he's like, yeah, what do you want? She's like, I want the head of John the Baptist. He's like, done. And that's how the guy dies. It was because of some idiot. Like, that's what we know about John the Baptist. Now, look how God sees the answer to this prayer for Elizabeth and Zechariah. He says, he will be a joy and a delight to you. Like when I think of John the Baptist, I don't think of joy and delight, right? I think of like, you know, kind of crazy, scrappy guy. A joy and delight to you. And many will rejoice because of his birth. And he will be great in the sight of the Lord. He is never to take wine or other fermented drink. And he will be filled with the Holy Spirit even from birth. Many of the people of Israel will he bring back to the Lord their God. Man. Can you imagine praying all that time, praying all that time, and all of a sudden God comes and the angel comes and you're right next to God in a veil and he gives you that? I mean, I mean, for, for some of us, the idea that we would be told that our kids are going to follow Christ all the way through, we're just like, fine, put me in a shack. I'll live anywhere to know that. They tell him that. And then he goes on, uses some powerful words that to Zechariah would mean so much. He says, and he will go on before the Lord in the spirit and power of Elijah. To Zechariah, Elijah is the man. I mean, it's like Moses and Elijah, law and the prophets. Those are the guys that it's like, like he'll go on the power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the fathers to their children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the righteous to make ready the people prepared for the Lord. This is unbelievably exciting good news for Zechariah. And he's trying to soak it all up, just like you or I would. Like, wait, wait. Okay, back, you know, back up. So he, he asks a normal question that we would all ask. My question would even be worse than this. My question would be like, are you sure you got the right Zechariah? You know, like, like, like he, he, he asks this question, normal question. How can I be sure of this? I'm an old man. I'm an old man. And my wife is well along in years. See, he loves his wife. See how he doesn't say she's an old woman, right? 
He says, and she's, you know, she's starting to get, get up, up there a little bit in, a, in age, right? This is a very nice, nice, nice man he is, right? So he, and then here's what, here's, what, here's what he says. I'm Gabriel. Like, which part of the angel part wasn't good enough for you? Like, I am Gabriel. I stand in the presence of God, and I've been sent here to bring you the good news. Like, isn't that enough? Now, to Zachariah's defense, Mary asked the very same thing in just a few verses, okay? So don't get all on Zechariah for being unbelieving. Mary, right, Jesus' mother, asked the same thing. But watch what happens to poor Zechariah. And now you will be silent and not able to speak until the day this happens. Oh, dude, I just asked why, you know, it's like, I just, uh, right? I, I, don't know how, I don't know how it went down. Okay, so, so watch what happens. So, so um, until the day that happens. Now listen, this is so, this is so critical we get this. And it's behind me. Because you did not believe my words. Okay, fine. All of us are guilty of that. We're all guilty of that. Uh, Not believing God's words, right? I I teach it. And sometimes when it comes down to actually just like, okay, do it then. It might cost me too much. That's a lack of belief. It's a lack of faith, right? We, We all do that. Listen, which will come true at their proper time. See, there's something that happens through the prayer process of prayer. And it's like, man, I've been praying and praying and praying and praying. I've been doing the right thing. I'm blameless before the Lord, I guess. I mean, I've been, I've been doing the laws. I, my dad did the laws. Their dad, my wife does it. We, her name is Elizabeth. And we're, I mean, and God's saying, listen, I heard your prayer. And we're waiting for the proper time. From prayer to proper time is our relationship with God. And some of us want to take that proper time. We want to bring it down more towards the prayer time. Get it? Get it? You know, maybe you're in a relationship and the word of God is so clear on how you're supposed to handle yourself during that relationship. But you're like, yeah, but you know what? I mean, we're going to get married. And and it's like, hey, there's a proper time. Maybe you're in your finances and you're like, God, but I just I wanted to. And God's going, well, you there's going to be a proper time for this. You know, you know, maybe you're waiting for your husband to, you know, finally come around because the guy's just the lazy, you know, whatever the thing is, or your wife is, just, whatever it is, there's a proper time. God has heard your prayer and there's a proper time. That is exciting news, but it doesn't make it easy, does it? Because in that gap is where our faith rests from the time we pray to the proper time. And you know what's interesting about the proper time? And you might be different, but when I look back over my life, I just see the hand of God moving over and over and over and over and over and over and over again. And when I'm at that proper time, oftentimes I look back and go, oh, thank you, Lord, for not answering that prayer. Praise Jesus, we didn't buy that house or whatever the thing is. Or, or you go on Facebook and you look at that old girlfriend and you're like, I prayed to marry her. Oh, thank you, Lord. You know, or whatever, the, however it is, you look back, you look back and you can say, man, God is so faithful. He's so good. Yeah, you know, he's so merciful. But that gap between, hey, I've heard your prayer and proper time, that is so difficult and that's why we need each other 
That's why we need the Holy Spirit empowering us. That's why it says that Christ's strength, that, uh, that we, we're renewed in our weakness by the strength of Christ during that time. He says, you did not believe my words, which will come to you at, the pro- at their proper time. Meanwhile, okay, so this is all happening inside the temple. The people were waiting for Zechariah. It doesn't take that long to get the incense thing going. You dump the coals, you put the incense, fan it a little bit, maybe, you know, whatever. Once it starts going, it's going. They've been doing it for, you know, hundreds of years. They got the incense thing down, okay? So they're all out there waiting. Now, listen, if you send Zechariah into the temple and he ain't coming out, your thought as a normal human being in that day and age and even now is, that's why they don't have any kids. He, he ain't coming out. God's dealing with it now. It's like I, I told you. Yeah, I know. I guess what was it? I don't know. He always looks shifty-eyed. You know, whatever the... Because people, this is what we do, right, as people. We try to figure out everyone else's spirituality. And while you're going through that whole thing from prayer to appropriate time, right, everybody's speaking into your life. And some of it's nonsense, if you're, if you're waiting for a spouse, you know, well, maybe you should do your hair differently. If you're waiting for a kid, well, have you tried this? I mean, it's just like, ugh, right? But God knows. And so they're all out there. They're waiting for, and here's what they said. They're wondering why he stayed so long in the temple. What's he doing in there? Did he fall asleep? Well, what's going on? Now watch. And this is why we should read our Bibles, because there's stuff like what's coming next all through the Bible. It's awesome, Okay. When he came out, he could not speak to them, okay? Because the angel said, you ain't going to speak. Now, here's the thing. The angel, when Mary asked, how am I going to know? The angel was like, you cute little thing. Don't you worry about it. The Holy Spirit's going to come upon you, and you're going to have a baby. It's going to be awesome. Zachariah's like, how am I going to know? Shut up. Like, <laughs> I'll tell you when you can speak again, right? So, going back to the temple... There was a courtyard of women out here and a courtyard of men here. And we always think, how come the women were back here? Because the men were just getting slapped around in there. Okay, so just feel good about that. All right, here we go. Watch this. So he comes out and he he could not speak to them. They realized that he'd seen a vision in the temple because whatever he was doing, and watch this, it's so awesome. He kept making signs to them. Like, how do you make signs that you were in there doing the incense and that you haven't had a baby for a long time. And then Gabriel came, Gabriel from the Daniel time. And he came and he said that we were going to have a baby. What's the sign for that? Like, like he comes out and he's probably like, you know, oh, you know, he can't talk. So I don't know if he's just like, or he, he just is like, you know, whatever. You, you don't know. And he's trying to get them to get the idea that he saw an angel. So he, he comes, you know, they start from the beginning. You know, he's like, you brought the coals in, you know. You got, you got everything going, and then, you know, you, like, what, like, you had to go to the bathroom. Like, well, what's, the, what's the sign for that? Or I, you didn't pay your credit card bill. And he's like, angel, yes, angel, we got it. And he's got to go through this. Now, listen, listen, I love this stuff, but he's a dude just like you and I, a normal person. And the frustration he must be feeling of, like, I just got the greatest news in the world. I can't, I can't share it with anybody. I'm, I'm just stuck. 
He knows something that nobody else knows. It's finally the answer to his prayers, and the angel tells him that he can't talk anymore. Now, he can write, and we see this later on. We're not going to get to that. But he kept making signs. And then he's got to go back to his wife. And he's got to try to explain to his wife. And you know, anyone who's married gets the disconnect oftentimes when a guy is trying to say something and a girl's trying to say something. Because men are just straight to the point. You typically, some aren't, you know, run from them. Uh, but, it was some, but most men are just like, you know, he just wants to come home. Yeah, temple, angel, baby, you know, what's in the fridge, right? So he, he comes home. He can't speak. But he wants to get to the point. So he's just like, we need to have sex, right? Because let me explain why. Before you send me any emails. The only way he's going to be able to speak is if she has a baby, okay? So the only thing on his mind is like, we need to have a baby now because I don't like this. He's just spent the rest of his time not being able to speak. And then, of course, she is going, you've been gone for one week and that's all. You know, she's like, like, and how come you can't talk to me now? You know, the whole thing. She's going through this whole thing. And then he has to write out, an angel told me to do this, right? <laughs> and now she's like, this is the saddest day of your life. This is just, you're a priest and this is just, right? And now, now they got to go through this whole thing. Listen, is this not the, just the jumbled up mess of hearing from God? of like something you've been praying for and praying for, praying for, and then, and then it, it's, it's starting to happen and you, you don't know and God's doing stuff that he's never done before in your life. This is where hope is. This is the hope of Christmas. That, that there's a baby that came down from heaven. God presented himself as a baby in order to grow up, to have a ministry, to be healing people, to start to begin to show us how we're to look after each other, how we're supposed to be involved in things of justice and healing and the poor and all this kind of stuff. And then he dies on the cross for our sins. I mean, that that is just amazing. And that's what a life with Christ is like. There's the prayer, and there's the appropriate time, and there's all the stuff in the middle. And then when the the time finally comes, it doesn't look anything like we thought it was going to look like. And so he tells Elizabeth, and and so they figured it out. And after this, Elizabeth became pregnant. Listen to this. This this gives you an insight into this couple's life. And for five months, remained in seclusion. Why do you think Elizabeth remained in seclusion for five months? For anybody who's been around very close to or loved someone, or maybe you're going through it now, you haven't been able to have a child, or you've lost a a few children, you know the pain of getting pregnant again. And I, this is not in a commentary, this is just, I believe they've gone through a lot of pain. And now it looks a little different, right? Zachariah shows up. He can't speak. You know, they're, they're trying to figure out. He, he's finally kind of gotten, somehow gotten her the whole story. And she gets pregnant. 
And she doesn't want to hear everybody else going, well, you know. She just goes into seclusion. Now, in some way, you could call it doubting. You could understand Gabriel coming down. Why are you in seclusion? You're supposed to be. But they just leave Elizabeth alone and let her just go through the healing process. Let her go. Because, see, from the time of prayer to the time something happened, God is all involved in that. And the way it, the way it comes through, God's all involved in that. And there's no formula. There's no thing. These people have been following God from the time they were little all the way up to now. And God's doing it in just an extraordinarily different way. Here's what, uh, here's what happens. In verse 25, she says this incredible stuff. She says, the Lord has done this for me. In these days, he has shown his favor and taken away my disgrace from among the people. You get this kind of two-edged thing of the kingdom of God and the kingdom of heaven in this verse. That God has blessed her, given her favor, and yet she still lives in society, and there's this sense of, ah, I can finally stop with the nonsense of people telling me what I should have done differently, what I should do, how I should do it, all this kind of stuff. I don't know where you are in your life and where kind of God has you in the, in the midst of praying for something and then seeing it actually come to pass. But, but this is where our faith is. And in the process of this, as things kind of happen, not necessarily in a way we would expect, we learn a lot about ourselves and a lot about the God we serve. 